Hey there, everybody. Before we get into the episode, I just wanted to go ahead and offer the usual disclaimer. As the name would suggest, I'm just an average guy. I'm not a theologian, and I have no Bible degrees of any sort. The topics covered in this podcast are the results of my own study and understanding, and any and all opinions expressed are just that, my own opinions. I encourage everyone listening to treat this not as an end-all be-all for your understanding, but as a jumping-in point for your own study. I hope that the verses and perspectives provided inspire you to cultivate further growth in your spiritual walk. Now with all that out of the way, let's get into the episode. What is up everybody? Welcome back to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler and I am your host. Thanks for joining us today. Real fast, before we get going, I just want to say this. I try to steer away from shameless self-promotion, but I will say, if something that you've heard in the last few episodes has been of help to you, uh, regardless of where you are in your life, or you think it might be of benefit to someone you know, please feel free to reach out and contact us in the email left in the description of the podcast, or just most importantly, share it with your friends, with your family, anyone that you think might benefit from the kind of information, perspectives, or message that we're putting out here. So moving on from that, we're going to go ahead and jump right into today's episode. If you have a keen eye, you probably realize that something about this episode title is different than the last few, and that's because this episode is going to be a little different than the last few. I actually had everything written out and ready to go for a different topic. I won't tell you what that is because I don't want to spoil it. It will be a future episode, I'm sure, but God really pumped the brakes on me, and he said, no, this is what you need to do instead, and it was really laid on my heart. The scriptures all just fell into place, and so today, as I'm sure you've already read, the title is Never Stop Fighting, and I want this to be a message of encouragement and something that will inspire you to keep pushing forward regardless of where you are in life or what your situation may be. So getting right into this. The first thing that I want to talk about is if you're going to be fighting, you're fighting something, and we have an enemy. Whether this is something that's clear and present in your mind, I want to bring this to the front. And that enemy is none other than the devil, than Satan. And this is something that I think doesn't get talked about quite as much, particularly because we like to hone in on God is love and forgiveness And these are all great messages. In fact, if you listen to episode one, you already know all about some opinions of mine surrounding forgiveness. But this is something we also need to be aware of. And it's not a popular topic for a lot of new Christians or just modern uh, believers in general, I think, to discuss. But we see it in Scripture. For example, right here in 1 Peter chapter 5, it's verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We see it right here. We have an enemy. And I want to stress to you, Satan's handiwork is apparent all around us, okay? In a culture that you may live in, that a lot of people may find themselves in, culture of disobedience to God, in the suffering that we see in the world around us, and even in our very sin nature, in the sinful nature that we have, dating all the way back to the original sin in the Garden of Eden, we have an enemy. Now, the inspiration for this episode 
comes from a discussion I recently had. I have the privilege of being able to be part of a small Bible study group. It's a, a small group, guys only, and it's a really great time. It's really nice to be able to dig into scripture and have those deep conversations. And it, it stems from something that one of the guys said. And he brought up this point that oftentimes you start slipping, you start falling to temptation, and you kind of make this decision in your mind that you're giving in. Even Maybe you don't even realize that you've made that decision, right? And you realize that you've crossed that line without consciously choosing to. But you reach this point where your mind is already down that road, and you've lost the battle in your mind for sin. And he said, should you just give up then? Should you just go ahead and follow through with it? Because it's like you've already decided that you're going to sin. And his point was, absolutely not. Just because you've fallen in that battle for your mind, don't let that be an excuse or a justification to surrender your actions to that as well. And this is something that was really inspiring to me, and it latched on in my mind, and God has really developed this and grown this concept in my mind in preparation for this episode. So the first point that I want to make here is it's never too late to fight on. And the group of scriptures that I want to read, kind of getting into this discussion, comes from Matthew 5, and it's verses 21 and 22, and then we're going to skip on down to 27 and 28. This is from the Sermon on the Mount, and there's several chapters in there that really tell the whole Sermon on the Mount story, and you get to hear Jesus' words. If you've never read the Sermon on the Mount, I would highly encourage you to, to jump into that, and it's just a really, really great set of verses, very applicable, very inspiring, kind of a a call to action in a lot of ways, and so I think that this is going to be really helpful. So getting into verses 21 and 22, it says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now we're going to move on down to verse 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And if you hear that and you're thinking to yourself, that seems like the opposite of the point that he just brought up. This man is crazy. Uh, I don't blame you for drawing that conclusion, but I want to shift your perspective on these verses a little bit. Because it may seem, from hearing those, that Jesus is saying that there is no more battle for your actions. It's not about what you do, it's about your mind, it's about your heart. And it may feel like what you're reading there, or hearing in this case, is that once you slip up in your mind, the battle is lost. But don't misinterpret those verses in this way. Jesus didn't come to abolish that old law. He just raised the bar of our perceived standards. And this is a point that I heard brought in a sermon not too long ago, that Jesus is coming to take what we thought the bar was and set it higher. But that doesn't mean that you should no longer fight for your actions. It means that you should additionally fight the battle for your heart and for your mind. 
Just because you lose the battle for your mind, do not surrender the battle for your actions. This may seem like an oversimplification, but I think that it may be a helpful analogy. Let's say that you get up in the middle of the night, you go to the kitchen to get a glass of water, and while you're walking, you kick your toe against the corner of the coffee table. Something runs through your head right then, but you bite your lip, and you don't say anything. In a way, you could say you lost the battle for your mind because you slipped up. You thought something maybe that was, uh, maybe you're trying to have more control over your words or not being frustrated or provoked to anger as quickly, but you still controlled your actions, right? You kept that in, you stopped yourself. And that may seem like a bad example because no one's around, so is this really hurting your witness? I'll take that a step further. Maybe you're out and about in a coffee shop. It's a hot summer day, you're wearing flip-flops. I don't know. But you do the same thing. You kick your toe against that table, and you really, really want to let out some kind of profanity, right? But there's families around. There are children. There are people who just don't want to hear that. And you stop yourself. It may seem like nothing, right? It may seem like that's such a small act of self-control. But that is an act of obedience. And let me assure you, it does matter. Do not let sin and the enemy have that victory. Even the smallest victory, don't let sin have it. Because you, the Christian, can have that win by faithfully acting in obedience, by fighting even the little battles. It all matters. And moving on from that, you may say, well, I feel like I'm doing pretty well. I don't think that I'm losing the battle. This is my next point, and it was brought up by something that another guy actually mentioned not too long after, and it's this. Not only will you never lose enough to stop fighting, right? It's never too late to fight on. You will never win enough to stop fighting. There was another guy, and he was sharing his testimony, and he was talking about how he used to feel like in the environment that he was in that there were a lot of people who were Christians, who read their Bibles, and they had this attitude of almost a condescending air because they felt like they've got it all under control, right? I, I can tell you all the books of the Bible in order, and I can quote 30 verses of Scripture right now, or whatever it is. And it's almost a feeling like these people are looking down their noses even at other Christians who maybe just aren't on their level as they see it. And I think that this is really contradictory to the attitude that we need to have. First off, an attitude of humility, but just going on from that, you shouldn't let victories, big victories, small victories, don't let those make you complacent. And this is a really long section of scripture that I'm about to read, so buckle in. But God really laid this on my heart, and I think that this is a great section to showcase what can happen when you let your victories shift you out of that mindset of obedience to God. So it comes from 1 Samuel chapter 15, and this is going to be verses 1 through 16. So again, 
Just buckle up and bear with me. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people Israel. Now therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek, and devote to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul summoned the people and numbered them into lame, two hundred thousand men on foot and ten thousand men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites, and Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag the king of the Amalekites alive, and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatted calves, and the lambs, and all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me, and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and turned and passed on, and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And it goes on from there, and as you can imagine, Samuel really lays it on Saul because Saul was not fully obedient. But I think that that big chunk of verses is definitely sufficient to expand on this point. And it's this. Just because you got it right so far, that doesn't mean you're too far to lose a battle. Just like it's never too late to fight on, it's never too late to reap the negative consequences when you stop fighting, right? Saul showed up, and he was doing everything right, and things were going well. And then he thought to himself, you know what? I know, I know the Lord said do this, but... I've got an even better idea. You know, I think this might even be greater because we're not just going to destroy these fine animals that would be a great sacrifice. We'll take them back. We'll sacrifice them to Samuel's God. And in doing that, he'll be even more pleased. But here's the thing. God is pleased when we are faithful, when we follow his commandments. And there will never be a point, I promise you, there will never be a point where we actually know more than God and we know better. We may think we do. A lot of times we think we do. But it's never the case. 
this is another point that I want to bring. You are never going to be stagnant in your faith. You may have heard this said before, but if not, then I hope that this may be a little bit of a perspective change. Either you're growing or you're backsliding. And if you've ever heard about sanctification, there's an idea of progressive sanctification, and there's a great sermon about this. In fact, there may be a podcast episode to come about sanctification, what it is and how it works. But think about your growth in your faith like the stock market, right? If you've ever looked at a stock chart, stocks go up, stocks go down. But do you ever really see a stock just flatlining, right? doesn't really happen. Your faith is the same way. You're either growing in your faith or you're backsliding. If you are in a battle, the day you stop fighting the good fight is the day that the enemy starts retaking ground. I'm just going to stop for a minute and let that sink in. Right? You don't want to find yourself fighting two weeks, two months, however long down the road to reclaim ground that you had. Right? Don't surrender that ground. Don't stop fighting just because you feel like you're ahead. So I know this has been a little bit shorter than the last few episodes, but I do want to go ahead and get to some closing thoughts. If you're in the middle of what feels like a fight for your life, don't ever stop praying and don't ever stop swinging. I was talking to one of my friends about this and I said that phrase, don't ever stop swinging, and they were a little confused, so uh, I get that. Sometimes I make some weird phrasing, but what I mean is this. Don't ever stop swinging that sort of the spirit, right? Don't ever lay down your arms, push on, fight on. And if you aren't in the battle right now, maybe you look around and you're on the mountaintop, right? Life's going pretty well. Train up and arm yourself because trials will come. Trust me, if you are following the Lord, trials will come. So prepare yourself. Be prepared so that you can not only stand firmly in your faith, but you can also serve those around you as well, right? You can help other people who are in the fight. Use this time to arm yourself with scripture, to pray, to get ready. So I want to leave you with this story. It's a story from several years ago in my own life. And there I was sitting in my home church. It's a very small church. And the preacher gave the altar call. And at the end of it, no one had come up to pray during the altar call. And this wasn't an unusual occurrence. It was, I would say, fairly rare that someone did come up and pray. And he told this story. He said that one time someone asked him, you know, preacher, why? Why do you always do an altar call? Because people don't seem to really come up and pray during that time. And this was his response. First off, we want to give people an opportunity to come up and pray if they feel that they need that. We always want to have that time where people can come up, they can pray, we will pray with them if that's what they feel led to do. But if no one comes up, right, if we play the altar call 
and we just stand up here, and then it ends. We've done one thing. We've frustrated the enemy by setting aside time to spend in prayer and in humility talking to God. So I'll leave you with these final words. No victory, no act of obedience is too small. Hold the line at every occasion. We'll see you next week.